Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is a podcast called 25 Whistles, talking football, and they all wear a whistle, yeah, it's stupid. Blow that whistle, Eddie. Thank you. 25 Whistles presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with the code Bobby Sports because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. I hope you had a great Christmas. So this is an episode we did before Christmas um, to put up because it's got some really good interviews. But... Because this is not live or even close to when the game. So we're are. gonna lie about no, our. No, I want you to give me two options. One, wow, Cowboys! Can you believe it? Got you. Playing so well, got a great shot at the Super Bowl, and then then two, the other version of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So, uh, and who knows? We may leave them both in. Come on. Just to be funny. All right, let's do the version where the Cowboys are really doing well. Are you ready? All right, and go. Wow, guys. I mean, dude, who would have thought this? This is so unbelievable. Wow. We went in. We beat the Bills. Yep. I mean, we beat the Dolphins. Okay. And then we beat freaking Detroit. Let's guys, go. we're on a roll. I don't. Well, I think we're unstoppable. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. We're I hope so. I have, I have a future. I don't know about winning all three of those games, if that's factually accurate or not. But Did you see? Dude, and Dak, six touchdowns in one game. Wow. Unbelievable. Is he going to win the MVP? Oh, 100%. Yes. All right. Well, go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? All right. I'll do the opposite okay, okay. and go. I don't know, dude. Like, how how do they blow it like this? Don't cry. No, it's just you're gonna hard. get made fun of for crying, man. It's just hard, man. Like they had such a good thing going, and then they're just gonna blow it. You know what? Typical Cowboys fashion. I was gonna ask if you somewhat expected it. It's kind of what the Cowboys do, man. Well, I'm sorry. I'm also sad because I had a future and I had Dak for MVP. Is that happening? I don't. I mean, do you think it's happening? I don't, I don't think so. He hasn't played in three games. So, what? He got it. <laughs> I'm not doing that one. What? Stop. I'm not doing that version. That's no, called improv. No, not it's dark, dark, man. He got the bird flu. Yeah, dude. What are you talking about? All right, all right cut. All right, good. Um, wait, here we are. So we'll talk to That's too much. two-time Super Bowl champion Logan Ryan and former second overall pick from the 2000 NFL draft, LeVar Arrington. Logan Ryan was coming on with this one show, and he messaged me early, early, early in the morning. was like, I just got picked up by the 49ers. Can we do it the next day? I was like, dude, don't, don't do it at all. <laughs> You're like, don't worry about us. I was like, dude, we're good. Go play for the That's 49ers. Awesome. It's pretty cool. So uh, he won two Super Bowls with the Patriots in 14 and 16. He gave us some great recruiting insight. Uh, good dude. Loved having him. Here he is, Logan Ryan. Logan, where do you live? 
Like what town? I live in currently in Tampa, Florida. So what, what's up in Nashville? Like we're lucky to have, first of all, super pumped you're here. Yeah. But wh- like what's here? You're here. Yeah, that, that's true. I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was hosting Good Morning Football and had a lot of fun doing that and uh, got some good good feedback and my publicist was kind of working the phones a little bit and um, opportunity to come on your podcast, which was awesome. And I used to live here. So I lived here for three, four years. My content guy's out here. Um, I got a lot of friends on the Titans. So so I'm doing some more media while my name is hot and I'm hanging out with you. Is that the goal? Because I know you probably want to, you're a free agent. Yeah. Are you waiting for the call or are you like, screw the call? I'm getting, I'm, I'm doing media because it's awesome. <laughs> um, either or, you know, I'm, I'm still training six days a week, mm-hmm. but I'm taking advantage of the opportunities. And I've always, you know, when I was a Tennessee Titans, I hosted a Logan Ryan show where I hosted a radio show for two, three years. I hosted a show in New York, hosted the NFL player podcast. I've always been like the, the speech before the locker room guy. Um, Were you always that guy in high school too? Yeah, I was a quarterback growing up, like my and uh, growing up my whole life. I was a point guard. I was a quarterback. I was a pitcher. So I always had the ball in my hands. I was always the guy to inspire. Um, I have no, you know how a lot of guys say, "Oh, you know, I kind of lead by my actions." Not I like I do both. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah, I lead by my words. When, too. At what age did you start to be? Because uh, let's see, like in ninth grade, I'm not the athlete you are. I'm not comparing that, but I'm just right. going to tell you my story. In ninth grade, I got to move up and play with the senior high team, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. But I didn't say anything because I'm the freaking ninth grader, and I didn't play as a ninth grader. Yeah. When did you start playing, and when could you actually be a vocal leader in high school? Because I'm imagining that you were far more athletic than the other kids your age. Yeah, so when I got to high school, I started varsity basketball as a freshman, but I was on the freshman football team. So... Uh, I led my little, you know, freshman teammates on the freshman games, but I wasn't on varsity. And in basketball, I kind of was the point guard. But I mean, these kids, my brother was four years older than me. My brother was a senior and I was a freshman and I was playing with his friends and I felt really little compared to them. Like I was like, I didn't have a voice. I just ran the plays. You were playing as like a 14 year old, 14, yeah. 15 years old with 18 year olds. Yeah. That's it. Were you, were you as good as some of them? I was definitely good enough to be on the court. For sure. I wasn't, I wasn't the best player at 14 on our team. Yeah. I knew that, but by, you know, my sophomore junior year. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of grew into it. I, I would say once that ball got in my hands and I realized what we needed to win, then I wasn't afraid to step up and, and, and demand that. Cause I always wanted, you know, to win more than anything else. I was watching the redeem team on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's about, uh, you know, the U S Olympic basketball team got a bronze and they were embarrassed and they had to somehow get a new coach, get the players to commit yeah. in. Cause that, that, to a lot of those guys, I would get that being 22 and rich and you just got, and now they want you to go train for months. And I would get why some of them wouldn't want to do that. I watched it. I loved it. Oh, wasn't it awesome? Yeah, man. I got a Kobe tattoo on me. They had to bring Kobe in that, you know, they had to bring Kobe in it to really win that. And, and I, it, and that was my point about leadership. And I always understood and respected Kobe. Cause in my mind, he's probably the third greatest player of all time. Top three for sure. And the fact that the guys were like, we were in Vegas. We went to the club. We did what we put. And Kobe's there, gloves on, going to the gym when they're coming in. 4 a.m. And all those guys slowly started to do what yeah. Kobe was doing because he was doing it and he was that leader. Yeah. So you say you were vocal and by example. Were you like first one in, last one out type guy? Yeah, I kind of picked up that because I was never – I was always like one of the best athletes, but there was always like a more physical freak on the team. Like I wasn't like raw out of bed better than everybody. I was like more skilled because I worked on it. 
And I remember my mom would pick me up in high school every day after work. My mom worked at nine to five, nine to four thirty, and she would pick me up at like five o'clock, five p.m. And we would get out of high school at like two, two thirty. So in football season, I obviously had practice, and my mom would pick me up. But out of football or basketball season, the spring, I had two and a half hours to kill. You know, I wasn't taking the bus home, so I was just literally every day, Monday through Friday, in the weight room five days a week, lifting for an hour or two, going out to the field, doing just drills that I made up, and then eventually more people came out there, and I would put a ladder drills down, do a drill to drills, and I was like pretty Were much you the, running the drills. To, yeah, so time? I was pretty much coming up with <laughs> drills that I would see on. I mean, shoot, I don't even know if YouTube was out back then, but whatever. I was, I was just finding drills and doing them and doing this. And, and that was kind of leadership, right? Like I'm doing these, these off season workouts, but I just was like waiting for my mom to pick me up. Did you have a good relationship with the coaches? Because it sounds like you love the game games. We can say games. And you also weren't afraid to put work in. Were you the guy that they would lean on high school and college to go, all right, you got to be the voice to those guys, be my voice to them. Right. Yeah, I think so, especially playing the quarterback position and stuff. I just think there's certain positions in sports where you expect the leader there, and I kind of was that. So I think it happened naturally mainly because of the position I played. But I do remember, like, my junior, sophomore, junior year when I kind of was stepping in the role as varsity quarterback and stuff, um, I was not great at pregame speeches. Like, I didn't want to talk. In, I felt like a senior should talk, you know, before the game. Like, I was silent, and I would always get really nervous before a game. Still do. Like, I always get, like, a little bit nervous and tense. And I just was really, really quiet. And I feel like that developed more in the NFL and college of having the, you know, taking public speaking classes and whatnot, just having the confidence to go up in front of a room of 100 people and motivate them without feeling like, you know, a clown or say something dumb or mess it up, you know, or be laughed at. And I just think that came in older, like giving actual speech. Um, but actually just on the field, yeah, when I'm playing in between the lines, yeah, the leadership always came out. Were you super educated on what was happening every game, put the time in the film room always? Was that a priority or did you have to learn how to do that later? I learned how to, I learned how to do that later, but growing up, my dad coached me when I was little, uh, maybe up till, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And every year, like I said, I played, I played offense and I played defense. So I didn't come off the field. And I swear every year he cha- made me change positions. He's like, all right, well, last year a receiver, this year you're going to play running back. Oh, to learn? Yeah, and then this year you're going to do this. And then we had a really good team in, like, eighth grade. And we went, uns- in Little League, we went, like, unscored upon. Like, we beat everybody 35 to nothing and didn't give up a point the entire season. And on that team, we had, like, three NFL players and, like, six Division One wrestlers out of, like, 11 starters. Like, nine of us went to college for sports. So it was a really good team. But – in the second half, my dad would make all the skill players play O-line and give the O-lineman the ball <laughs> so that, they, you know, we would block for them, yeah. you know? And I just felt like, why are we doing this, you know? But, I, like, I love my O-lineman. You know, I always treat them well, and I understood what it was like to block. I played tight end. I played receiver. I played running back. I played quarterback. I played corner. I played safety. And really, in the NFL, really helped my versatility because I learned the game from so many different angles. And even when I played defense in the NFL – I think from like a reverse quarterback perspective, like, okay, what is he reading? He's probably going to throw this because I'm showing him that. It's like you're reverse engineering Yeah. what exactly you think is about to happen. Yeah. Dang. So when you were in high school, you played quarterback. Did you Were you recruited as a quarterback? So that was back before they wanted like, you know, six-foot black quarterbacks running around the NFL. Like that's not the, this the norm now. Did you like, feel like because you were a six-foot black quarterback that was actually held against you? 
well, they're going to recruit you as an athlete. So what happens is they're like everybody, like, like I would say half of, you know, college football players probably played quarterback when they were growing up because they're the best player and they want the ball in their hands. But back then they would say, you're going to be a receiver or you're going to be a corner or you're going to be a safety. So I knew like looking ahead, like, yeah, I'm probably going to end up being a corner. And I played corner as well. And I was ranked pretty high in New Jersey for it. So I kind of knew already what it was, but they did. You just didn't have the opportunities division one to be like, Oh, you're five eleven and a half, and you know, you're a great athlete. We're going to make you play a different position. Like quarterback is for these type of guys, six foot four white, 225 pound guy, you know, but now the NFL as you see has caught up and I mean, Bryce young. Yeah. Bryce young he's not, he's is five, nine. Kyler Murray's five, nine. No, these dudes I've, I remember hosting the draft in Nashville when they had the draft in Nashville a couple years ago. And I was actually working in media and I was on the red carpet hosting these guys. And I'm like, Quinn and Williams hmm. just lift the mic up and DJ, uh, DK Metcalf lift the mic way up. And like Kyler Murray put the mic, like, <laughs> I'm like, this guy is little, I mean, little hands, little arms, Yeah, but he's special in his skill set, And he had the opportunity. They never made him switch positions, but a lot of, a lot of us, they, they were like, yeah, I don't know if you're going to go division one and play. What what were you, what star were you recruit? I was a four star recruit. And what is life like as a four star recruit? Uh, it's got to be pretty good. I mean, it was. I mean, it's I felt be good. So I was really a three star coming out, and uh, for most of it, and then I think the ranking guy, rivals ranking guy, comes to check out one of my games my senior year, and I was already committed to Rutgers. So I like had twenty five scholarships. As an athlete or safety or what? At the time, were you going to Rutgers to do what though? I was going to Rutgers to play corner. Okay, I was the number one corner in the state of New Jersey, and I was like one of the better quarterbacks, but I was the number one at that position. Got it. And I was a three-star, committed to Rutgers verbally and all that stuff. And then we play we, we play the opening game, and he comes to see our gameplay. And I get a pick six, like, on the first possession of the game. And literally, reverse engineering, the coach told me, if you see the quarterback roll out, you know, it's going to be a, a hitch, a route in front of you and a route behind you. Just bait the route behind you. And every time they roll out, they run the same play. So the first play of the game, I see the rollout. I see the route behind me. I act like I'm going to go get the route behind me. And I just bait him. He throws a route in front of me, 80-yard pick six to start my senior year. And that night, I got a four-star. Boom, he just pops Bing, up. Boom, like <laughs> next day, right? Bing, four-star. So what happens? Notre Dame calls me. Miami calls me. Penn State calls From me. From that one bing, yeah, that one that star, star coming up. Like, oh, now he's this level recruit. And they're like, oh, you don't want to go to Rutgers. Come here, come there, come it's there. It's crazy that it wasn't some tape, that it wasn't like a library of tape on you that changed their uh, mind. It was literally a recruiting service. One guy who saw one game. Yep. And Wild. New, and new colleges come. It's lazy. Recruiting's lazy. What happens is a lot of states, out-of-state teams, like Alabama's not going to come to New Jersey unless, one, you're offered by your New Jersey school. So they're going to let Rutgers do the work. Once Rutgers does the work, all the other Big East schools at the time, right? It was West Virginia. It was whatever. So like, okay, this guy, obviously Rutgers identified him. So now your conference is going to start recruiting you and they start offering you. And then once your whole conference offers you and then you get that fourth star, then you become a national recruit. Now coaches are jetting to your field, your high school and landing on the thing and trying to, and that's why you see guys flip recruitment. So, I mean, now they're getting paid, but they flip recruitment so much because one thing changed. Who came that was cool? Uh, I would say Greg Schiano, when Rutgers recruited me, they put out all the, the, the stops. He landed a helicopter on a local hospital. And, and so he flew a helicopter in to see me. Um, I think, uh, Iowa was super dope. Michigan state was cool. 
Uh, but Rutgers, I mean, they sent people to my, my, my grandmother's funeral. My grandmother passed away. They had people at the funeral. They were work. They had a Bible in front of my mom. They, they went a whole different angle at my dad. I mean, they were, they were pulling every stop, like. To, to, to get me to stay. I feel like if I was on a jury or if I was being recruited, I just flip every, all the time. I'd be like, oh, that's great. I'm here. Yeah, oh, that's great. Guilty. Oh, no, not guilty. Michigan State. I feel like I'll be doing that like crazy because I'm sure everybody's giving you their best effort. They're showing yeah, you that, yeah, like, you know, Chris Rock talks about dating somebody new and he's like, you know, you ain't really meet me. You meet my representative when you, you know, it's the early version, but it's the best version of the school in every way. Like, aren't they all just awesome when you do that? They, they like really recruit your parents. I came from a two, two parent background, super solid. My dad was a cop, was a cop. My mom worked, like I said, a nine to five. So they really had my parents on lock. But looking back at it, I'm like, man, I should have took that official visit to Hawaii. That's a great flight. Great trip. Should have went out there. Maybe I should have checked out UNLV. That would have been a fun little like, Vegas trip. What do you trip. do on, on a, on an official visit? Like you land. Yeah. Just a brief description. I have no idea. You land. Then what, what happens? Who's, who's there? What, what's the day like? So you land. Um, you'll be red carpeted, black car picked up, go to the school. Um, all the coaches will be there, excited balloons, catered food. And then New York, uh, Rutgers, whole pitch was, we're going to send you to New York. So you take the train in New York. They rent it out like a Dave and Busters in like Times Square. So you're in Times Square. You're at like, got to rent it out Dave and Busters. You're playing games. They're talking like, yeah, you're going to like, we have these McCordy twins and they're all right, but you're going to come in and, <laughs> and you're going to play over them and, and like all this. But I knew they're on their way out and I was going to fill in the next shoes, but they're like, yeah, they're okay. But Jason McCordy, this guy, I mean, he can't even get an interception. You, look at me. You had six interceptions last year. We need you. Right. So they tell you what you want to hear. And then we got back on the train to Rutgers and the coaches leave and then you're paired with a player. So I didn't have the McCordy twins. I had, a, I had a kid that was actually on my little league team that I told you about that we were, like went undefeated or whatever. So I knew him since we were kids. So he kind of hosted me and that's your host. And they Which gave you- probably why they gave you him, right? Right, because yeah. we knew each other. Yeah. So so then so then I got one of my best friends already there and he's like, whatever. And then they gave your host like a hundred bucks and he's supposed to take you to a party and take you. And he was like, look, man, I'm keeping 50 of these bucks. Like <laughs> you got 50, you know? So- and then, you know, they try to show you girls and try to give you a good night. And then, but the, the worst part is when you're, um, when you're a host, you have practice the next day. I'm like, I'm not partying with this freaking 16 year old kid, 17 year old kid all night. And I got to wake up at 7am and run sprints. Like I kept that hundred bucks. Well, I, I bet I, some people do though. I bet they go hard and then go to, pro- I mean, it's just so. Oh yeah. When you're younger, you can do it. Yeah. So you, what this, when you get to Rutgers, is the speed of the game so much different going high school to college or college to the pros? When does it adjust so much that you're like, okay, hold on. Let me get yeah. this straight. I think the speed of the game, because everyone comes from different high school. You come from some country school where, I mean, you got, you know, eight on eight football, whatever, in the middle of Nevada or something. But I think the speed of the game is a bigger difference. I think the coaching was a bigger difference for me because Greg Shiano was such a tough coach. For me, and I wasn't used to getting yelled at or just like negativity shouting my way or, or getting cussed at. Like I wasn't used to, I'm like, whoa, this is kind of hard environment for me to thrive in. So I think that was the biggest shock for me, um, the speed and just the, the, the coaching. Because as soon as you commit and day one practice starts, all that recruiting's out the window. Like military. Like, like now line. I own yeah. you. And it really yeah. felt like military. I feel like we went to a, like a military academy. It was that strict and disciplined at Rutgers with him. And... um you know, but then I went to the NFL. I came from that academy mindset. So, like, the discipline was there. No one could do anything that I haven't done already. Like, I've been through tougher workouts. So, now now it's all about execution and just skill. Like, 
we need you here. It's your job to do it. And you're just way more, it's way more efficient. The first time you go to a college practice and it's actually full pads, what does that feel like? Oh my, I have so many stories, man. The first college practice. So, so practice is, is based on what they call periods and they blow the whistle and a period is five minutes. So a practice could be, I don't want to say and get butchered on math, but a practice can be 20 periods. You do the math or 15 periods or 12 or 24, whatever, two hour practice, whatever. Our first practice was 36 periods. It was like over three hours. It was in the middle of July in New Jersey. It was really hot and humid on the field. I had brand new cleats on. I was getting blisters. They made everyone tape your ankles, mandatory have to tape. I never taped my ankles before. So my ankles were stiff. My cleats hurt. And then Shiano had a rule. You weren't allowed to take your helmet off at any point in the practice. So I couldn't even take my helmet off to get water. So I had to like get water through my helmet. And I just was so just equipment uncomfortable, not used to practicing that long. It just was all like all the little things, I guess, that you're just supposed to ignore. And I, like, I don't even bother me now. They all bothered me so much. Like at first, it was a huge adjustment. For when me. you're 18, you're hitting 22, 23 year old dudes. I assume that's physically a lot more taxing on you than 17 hitting 18, you know, high school. Like it's, it's, it's young, it's an older kid versus men. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a big jump. It's hard. If you see guys that come to college, true freshmen and dominate, like that, that's tough. Cause of the physical aspect, like these guys in college, you're lifting and running your, your butt off. Like you are working They're where you had nothing else to do. They're owning you. They, they work you. So I, I came in 175 pounds. I redshirted. So I was the number one corner in the state, a four star going to Rutgers. That wasn't the greatest school in that recruited me. So I'm supposed to come in and be a savior type of thing replaced the McCordy twins and I redshirted like I got crushed by all expectation pressure and I came in 175 pounds and I was 195 pounds in less than a year I put on 20 pounds of muscle I couldn't even dunk a basketball anymore because you had put on so much, uh, so much weight I wasn't even used to carrying that weight I'm 194 pounds at 32 years old so in the last whatever 14 15 years I didn't gain one pound Right. I just, but I put on 20 pounds in one year of muscle. I'm squatting 450 pounds. I'm power cleaning over 300 pounds. And that's what they want. Oh, they were lifting. Yeah. yeah. And are your feelings hurt that you have to redshirt? When do they tell you that? Or is that something that, that happens game three when you haven't played at all? So I kind of like, I had like a, a little back injury and just had a rough start to it. And it kind of was like, Hey, you're either going to like play special teams this year or we can redshirt you. So I was like, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm not going to waste a year Maybe just playing either. special teams. So I, I redshirted, but he, Chiano used to redshirt like entire classes because he wanted older teams. So I think out of our true freshman class, we had 25 commits, 25 guys on full rides, not counting walk-ons. I would say he probably played four or five guys, 20 of us redshirted. He just wanted to backload the whole roster like that. Right. So now a senior class our fifth year seniors that are 22, 23 years old. So that just was like. If you weren't super phenomenal right away, he was, he was you're going to redshirt. What year did you leave college? So I actually left as a redshirt junior, so I left early. I got it together, and I took off, so I left. So you're redshirt year, then, then you're two years. I redshirted, had a redshirt freshman, sophomore, then I left after. I almost left after a redshirt sophomore year, but I left after my redshirt junior. Got so it. it. was my fourth year. So you go, and you, I, I was reading some of your because it still exists, the draft stuff. They're like, this is his peak. This is what we think yeah. his ceiling is. This yeah. is who we can. Comp- Did you read that stuff back then too? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know what they wrote about me, but I could probably could tell you what it was. But um, yeah. So I mean, they, so they would. They do compare a certain player. Compare. They're like at 
his ceiling, not quite Palomalu, but you know, and they're doing, yeah, yeah, so who did they compare you to in college? Just when you would talk to folks and they'd be like, oh, we could kind of see you being this type of player in the NFL. So I don't know if there was an exact like ceiling comp that I knew in the NFL at the moment. Um, but my biggest thing is like, I was super smart and, and tough and productive. Like I had some of the most productive stats. Like I was second in Biggie's history in pass breakups, ahead of Devin McCourty, behind Darrell Revis by like a couple. And do you I, think that's because of your athletic ability or because you, your instincts, instincts and studying was so good? 100% instincts and studying. Once I figured out the game, I would say half the time now in the NFL, I play plays over players. Like, I don't care. Like, Julio's one of my good friends. I had to cover Julio in the Super Bowl. I don't care it's Julio. Julio only runs, like, can only run 10 routes. And once I figure out what they are, it can only be three. So I'm going to play these three routes, right, based on situation and all that. So I'm playing the plays. So at the end of the day, the quarterback's got to throw it to a spot. If I can figure out that spot before you figure out this, or, you know, because I don't know where you're going, I got to do some math. So I always say I'm just playing high, high stakes blackjack out there. Being such a cerebral guy, because, again, that's the story on you, too, is that you were able to almost predict chess moves before the chess move happened. You ever think about coaching? Yeah, you know, I get asked that a lot because I, I definitely have I have a memory where I almost remember every game I play in, um, and the plays, and then I I I think I do a decent job of explaining it to the everyday person. So that's that's why media is good and coaching. I just don't like how many hours these coaches work. Like I, it's very hard for a coach to have a balance with any family life. Like they're home at midnight all year round. I mean, it's 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 a crazy profession that doesn't have any balance, work life balance. So right now, not attractive to you. Would you go coach college or NFL if you had to? I would coach NFL over college because I don't want to recruit. You're on the road yeah. and you're off time at a 17-year-old's high school telling him he's going to be better than Devin McCourty. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't feel like doing that. I'm too real with kids. I'm like, look, you're not good, but we'll take you. We'll probably make you good, but you're not, you know, you got to earn everything here. You, you're deciding to go and you're going to leave Rutgers. You're going to go to the NFL and they kind of have you pegged as a, uh, you know, late second, third round pick. And do you kind of have an idea of what team will take you in that race? Is it like four or five teams? Or does everybody just act like they like you until they got to make that decision? Yeah. So I leave, I leave Rutgers. I get a second, they give you a draft grade if you want to like leave early. They gave me a second round draft grade. So it's all going to be dependent like on my combine. But I wasn't a combine freak. Who gave you that grade, by the way? I don't like, know. Where do you get the official grade? I don't grade? know. You submit it to some dudes who are sitting in a room and say, you go in the second <laughs> round. But I think they have to protect you because they want to keep kids in school. Right. So they give you a lower grade because they don't want kids coming out, right? They don't want to say, you're going to go in the first round if you come out and then you slide in the sixth round. Now you're really pissed. So they gave me a second round grade based on production. That's like, at worst, I'm going in the second round. That's that's good money. So Rutgers is like, no, don't go. You'll be a first rounder next year. I'm like, I'm going. I go to the second round. Uh, or I, I start training. And I'm like one of those athletes. I like I play. I can play baseball. I can play ping pong. Like I can play pickleball. Like I can fish. I can play basketball. I'm like an all around, like a ball athlete. I guess bowl. I can bowl over 200. Whatever. <laughs> There's guys that can literally not swing a baseball bat, but they can jump 44 inches and stuff. I'm not like that. So I had very mediocre numbers at the combine, and obviously I was a junior, so I didn't have the senior bowl or all that stuff to have more opportunity to be seen. So I kind of was like, oh, this guy just kept. Every time I look, I just slipped. Someone did something at something that I wasn't even at, and I slipped. You weren't doing anything to, to slip. No, just just because you weren't able to do certain things. Yeah, you leave as a junior. There is no senior bowl. Yeah. There is no that, so right. So yeah. I'm okay. I'm a junior. 
all I have is the NFL combine. As soon as I ran a four five, it was like, oh, this guy ran a who this guy out of nowhere who has no numbers ran a four three. Let's because they're kind of sell a story at the combine too, right? They want the biggest athletic freaks there. So I kind of slipped. I went to the third round. New England, New England came to Rutgers, and Rutgers had a lot of guys at the time coming out. And Bill Belichick, and this is actually a fun, another I got all these Belichick stories that just keep coming out. So when you're in college, there's local pro days. So in New Jersey, right, like the Jets and the Giants can work out the local guys on their own day. And guys from all those colleges in New Jersey can go do a local pro day for the Jets and the Giants. So Bill Belichick decides that he wants to come do a visit with me on the day of the Jets local pro day. So I'm not going to work out for the Jets. The Patriots are coming to work me out privately. And I think only two or three teams work me out privately. Not only did he invite that's purposeful, right? Right. I mean, not only did he invite me, yeah. he invited about sixteen Rutgers players. So everybody, I mean, I think we had seven guys get drafted that year. We led the draft with players. Uh me, Deron Harmon, uh Steve Baharness, uh everybody that we had coming out. We had like eight guys on defense, eight guys on offense. So it was like a pretty much a Patriot Pro Day, the day that was supposed to be the Jets Pro Day. So Rex Ryan and Jets were pissed because none of the Rutgers players went to their pro day. They had like Monmouth players go. <laughs> And it was like, well, Bill came in and said to do this. So I remember I did the thing with, with Bill, but I called Devin because Devin's one of my good friends and he was on the Patriots already and was their captain. So I said, I need all your drills. Give me all your warm up drills. Give me all your DB drills. What do you guys do in a workout? So Devin sent me all their drills and I've been practicing with the guys for a week because we knew what day this was coming. So our entire secondary was practicing these drills for a week. So when they come in, we crush the workout. Then we go to the film room, and I'm like, oh, this is what I do. I'm telling them what the nose guard does. I'm telling them what all 11 players do on every defense. So I knew I impressed Bill, and then he ends up drafting me in the third round, Deron Harmon, who was our free safety in the third round as well. So we drafted four guys on Rutgers defense alone in that draft. But I had the drills from Devin a week prior, and we were practicing for this workout. What's it like as a rookie going into the locker room of the NFL where you got 35-year-old men there as well? Crazy. Uh, It was Again, that's another adjustment again. And I just think you got to earn them with your play and just being a good rookie. I was singing songs. I was telling jokes. I remember I was playing really well in the preseason. I actually had a pick six against the Bucks. who Shiano wants to be that coach. So I kind of got Shiano back with a pick six in the preseason. Got him back. And because um, he didn't draft me in the second round. So my old coach did pass on me. Dang, that had to hurt a little yeah, bit, though. So, like, I taking that personal. Yeah, it was a little personal at the time. So I was like, okay, don't draft me. That's fine. See what I do. So I... Uh, he actually drafted another corner as well. So I end up doing that. So I'm playing well. So I'm like kind of playing with the starters, like when the season's about to start, like kind of like in there. Very different than starting my college career. And I remember Aqib Tlaib was like, and I think I, there's no more intimidating veteran you can have than Aqib Tlaib as a rookie. And Aqib was like, yo, the rookie, you got to get this chicken wings before we go on away games on the flight. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting no chicken wings. I'm like one of the starters. Like get the other rookies to do it. <laughs> And he was like, he looked at me, he's like, you're getting those chicken wings. And I just was like, I'm getting those chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up getting chicken wings before every road game. I had to go to Skip Jack's across the street, a Patriot place, and get like 300 chicken wings in, in a suit and bring buffalo wings in a suit uh, and not get any sauce on me and get pictured in the plane. So every like pregame picture of me in the plane, I had like big old bag of chicken wings <laughs> for the entire secondary or whatever. And I did that for I did that for an entire year, and I and I ended up 
starting most of that year, leading the team, leading the AFC in inter- I had five interceptions as a rookie. You're still getting wings, even though you got five. <laughs> started uh, AFC championship, starting AFC championship, had more picks than Tlaib that year. And uh, yeah, I was getting chicken wings up to the AFC championship. And I remember we were flying to the AFC championship and Bill was like, let the players sit first class. And some other organizations, when you fly, the coaches sit first class and the players sit in the back and that pisses the players off. But Bill's like, nah, the players, they run the show like they're in the first class. But there's only so many seats. So he doesn't do it on seniority. He does it on who's playing. So I remember I was, I got like a first class seat. I'm like, yeah, like, okay, I made it. And they had some guys that are 10-year vets in economy pissed. But I'm like, hey, like, I'm playing better. Bill rewards who's playing better. Who gets respect? Somebody who plays well or somebody who's got a big deal? Who I always say play well. Because even when I, I signed some big deals, I signed two $30 million contracts in my career. And uh, I just, I always felt like I got to show to the guys like I'm worth it. Because nothing's worse than a guy who gets paid and doesn't work. And you're like, this is the guy we're paying? Like, you're it? Do you see that in locker rooms? Oh, yeah. That's a lot of teams' issues. They pay guys. They don't know their character. The money changes the guys. And now you have a big issue because not only is your paid player supposed to be your best player and hopefully your hardest worker like Tom Brady is and these guys are, he's your least hardest worker and he's not even playing up to his own potential. So that really hurts your team. So you got to pay, you got to make sure that you reward the right guys. I'm a big booster. I do NILs with players, a big Arkansas guy. And I think one of the things that I've been able to observe is that some of these guys grew up like I did, no money, broke. But this is their first time to get some money in college and it actually prepares them for when they get more money in the NFL. So it's not just straight culture shot going from nothing to everything. I feel like that's a real positive of the NIL is there's an adjustment period before you hit it real big. Your thoughts on that? I love that. I love that NIL. Uh, it's, I mean, I just like that the players are getting a piece of the pie. And I know it's kind of crazy to regulate. And I know a lot of players are making a lot of money at a young age. But I think what it also does, I think it can expose the family that's been waiting to do it anyway. So you might, you know, when you got a million dollars at 21, you got some uncles that have been waiting in the weeds, you know, that now if you don't give them some, now they, now they're mad at you. So maybe it exposes a little, the family dynamic or the support dynamic a little earlier. So these kids be like, Oh, okay. I really see who's got my back and not, you know? So I think a lot of guys stresses is dealing with family and how to hand like, you can't help everybody and where, 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 who do you owe what to and what your aunt's struggling. So you got to pay for her and so-and-so had a hospital bill. You got to pay for that. And your mom needs this and your dad needs that. And your oh, but your brother's always been there with you. So he needs this. And then eventually it's like you tell them no one time and then they get mad at you, you know? So you definitely need to work on that dynamic. Do uh, they work with you guys on money when you go in? Like, no. cause I know in the NBA they do these, these class, do they? Yeah, we have a, we have a, uh, we have like a rookie symposium, but, but nobody, you really know, pays but it's just, it's generic, you know, it's not like a, a class. It's a, it's a one day, you know, four hour presentation. You watch the documentary about going broke, which was that eat at that 30 for 30, mm-hmm. which was crazy. And see Antoine Jameson and them buying apartment complexes and Jamarcus Russell, like buying an entire plane, every seat, you know, I'm like, well, I, I wouldn't do that. But I don't know if that teaches you actually like what taxes are and like, how to percentages. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't think guys like every draft pick is buying their mom a house and somebody a car the first day. It's like, dude, you're making like maybe $800,000 this year after taxes. That's like 500. Now you bought a car and a house. Like how are you even going to pay for your own rent? Like there's not enough money to do that in day one. 
which I, you know, for NILs again, I think it's great when somebody make a few hundred thousand bucks because then when they make a million, they know half of where it's going anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. So when it, you get to the NFL and you're playing with the Patriots and you're playing well, I mean, you got the greatest player of all time, Tom Brady, there. I mean, does he just walk around and everybody just it's instant respect, or is he one of the guys? He's he's one of the guys as much as he could be. Now, he's just he's different. He was older than you know older than a lot of us and all that stuff. But he is the most one of the most like humble people for high star power. Like like does he try to be involved with folks? Yeah, he's very authentic. He's very genuine. He's very engaging. Engaging. I think his EQ is what got him so many Super Bowls. He really knows how to how to how to tap in with his teammates and get the best out of his teammates. Like sometimes you hear how Kobe didn't always rub right with his teammates or Jordan didn't always rub right with his teammates or whatever. I think Tom has that same competitive passion and he knows when to do that, but he also knows when to love up on his teammates and maybe a little more LeBron esque. I don't know, but I think that like Tom has mastered. I think that's a difference with him and a lot of these other quarterbacks. That's why he has seven and these other guys have one or two is how much like I'll tell quickly, like this story I've told a couple of times, my first time ever meeting him. So I get drafted by the Patriots. I'm walking in the hall. I kind of like see him like down the hall. I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to run into this guy. Like, what do I call him? Tom, Thomas, Mr. Brady. Like <laughs> I had this guy's Jersey growing up. Right. So I'm like, <clears throat> like clearing my throat. And as I walk up to him outside of normal conversation range, like, you know, you have like maybe a second to get ready for this conversation. He's like, oh, Hey, uh, you're Logan, right? We draft you in the third round out of Rutgers. And he's like, man, look, uh, I'm Tom quarterback here like if you need anything my lockers are here I'm always here early anything you need like just come to me and I'll, I'll do the best I can he's like trust me I was a rookie it's hard just put your head down and keep working and I just thought that was so cool not only did he take the awkward interaction out of me but he made me feel he knew who I was he knew where I, what school I came from he made me feel important and he said I, he was an open book for me and when you're just the third round rookie out of Rutgers who's probably the 53rd best player on the team I was like, dang, that, that that's really cool. And I was like, yo, I want to be that, that veteran one day. I might not be Tom Brady, but I want to be that guy that's not hazing and not like making it so hard. We need these guys. And I think Tom knows that he's going to need every one of his teammates. We only got a few minutes left here with you, but I, a couple questions. What if you said, hey, Tom, will you sign this? <laughs> what, that football? Anything. It could be anything. You're like, Tom, hey, thanks, man. Will you sign? Like, is that allowed in the locker room? Yeah, I got him. You didn't see? I got him to sign his last. I picked off his last. Uh, but that's the end. That's You already were established. Oh, early on? Yeah. Like, yeah. like if you're in and you're like, <laughs> yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you got to just draw the line there because everyone would do it. So certain guys, when you're established, I think he does it. And charity, he'll do it. But like just... He would be there all day. Like, you know, it, you're, it went viral when you had him sign the yeah. ball after you. And do you think part of that situation you approached that was because you already knew him and, and had played with him? Yeah, like, I knew him. I, I, we kind of grown together, our, our relationship of respect. And I didn't know how much longer he was going to play. I was going to play whatever. So I kind of just snuck a bunch of stuff for him to sign for family finally over these years. And, and then I kind of snuck the football in there too. You still have the ball? I do have the ball, yeah. What could you get for? You think? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I mean, let me know who's who's listening. I want over, I went over half of five hundred thousand. How do you still train? I got two questions. Left. How do you still train with the intensity that you need to train with when you're waiting on that call instead of knowing who that call is going to be from? I did this during COVID. I was a free agent for a long time when I left Tennessee. I didn't sign with the New York Giants till week one of the season, so I was all the way through training camp, and I 
got in there and I ended up leading the team and snaps played and tackles on stuff. So I've been through this. I just think it's just, it's discipline. I get up and get it done, period. It doesn't matter who I'm playing for. I get up. I know the, I know the work and what I need to do at this point in my career, and I get up and just get it done. You want to come here? I know some people here. I mean, you want to come here? What, the, the Titans? I'm just saying I want to come here. I, I just say I know some people here. I don't know. Like, where you want to go? Where do you see yourself fitting? Well, who needs you? Man, I would love to be in Tampa because I, my family's there, you know? But um, if that's not the case, then I obviously want to play for a, a good organization, a contender, um, that can get a guy to plug in and play and, and, and win championships. Like That's, Tennessee? Yeah, we'll see what their record is yeah. during, during the year. We'll <laughs> he wants to play for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie, uh, question for Logan. Yeah, Logan, so like growing up, who did you want to play for? Because I got four kids. Three of them are pretty decent at sports, so I yeah. bought them all jerseys like so they can take baby yeah. pictures with so the announcer can be like, he's always been a 49er yeah. fan from the <laughs> yeah. very beginning. You know, so like, who did you want to play for? It's crazy. I kept this hidden. I was a New York Giant and I literally kept this hidden, but I grew up a diehard Philly fan because I'm, I'm from South Jersey and there's like no choice. Right? There's Cowboys fans there. They get, they get like beat up daily, fights. It's real rivalries up there. So I was a, I was an Eagles fan growing up. I grew up watching McNabb years and and all those years, Brian Dawkins and all that. So I was big. So when the Phillies won the World Series in 08, 09 or whatever, like our teachers didn't show up to school. Like there was no school. Everyone's at the parade. It's like that type of town. They were climbing the pole, the teachers? Oh, yeah. It's serious. Uh, I'm a big animal guy. Tell me about Ryan's Monthly Rescue and your goal and what you've been able to do so far. Man, we were able to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for animals throughout the years. Uh, I just love, I was wait, I was looking for my cause, and I love shelter animals. I have rescue dogs. My daughter fosters kittens. So we started a big animal foundation to raise money, awareness, um, and just be a different face in that industry. You don't see young black guys, like, loving on pit bulls. You see a different type of stereotype. You don't see guys with kittens and stuff like that. So uh, I've done a lot with Natural Humane out here when I was a, a, a uh, still currently, and we're just trying to promote adoption and give out grants and stuff for people that are, you know, struggling with animals and animals need help. So I'm just an animal lover. At rarf.com, which is rarf, and you can find them on Facebook. Search for the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. We talked about it a little bit before you got in here, but I really appreciate the time, man. I, I could do this for three hours. So yeah. Um, I, I hope that you get picked up by a contender. I hope you still find your fulfillment for playing sports the next couple of years, whatever makes you feel like you still got it. If you still got it, I hope you get, but then when you're done, dude, you're going to kill it in this space. Yeah, man, I got peace. I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. So I'm just, honestly, it's a financial decision at this point. I, Thankfully, I had good team and supporter where financially I made good decisions where I don't have to do that anymore. And my body is important to me. My time with my family is important to me. So I'm in the one making the decisions now and uh, waiting for the right opportunity with the right team. If that doesn't happen, we can do this more often. That's cool, too. You know, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Pig pig suey, man. I played Arkansas in college. You played against them? Yeah, we beat them. (laughs) Two picks. You had to that. Yeah. yeah, one guy called enough. back. That's how we cut. Oh, I did. Okay. Well, he, he, he whispered. One guy called back. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Probably. What was it like a clip or something? That's how you got it in the first place. I don't know what. It, yeah. Something I didn't do. Somebody yeah. else was yeah. holding. Yeah. Somewhere uh, else. Follow Logan on Instagram at Logan Ryan. Appreciate you guys are awesome, man. It was a big deal to be here, so I appreciate the opportunity. Man, that's crazy. All right, Logan Ryan, everybody. Twenty Five Whistles presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app and use the code Bobby Sports to get in on the action. As far as parlays go, I love bowl season. 
not because the games matter, but because there are just a lot of games happening at the same time. A lot of gambling. That I feel like I, I'm pretty good at bowl season. <laughs> I do <laughs> feel pretty good. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'll, parlays, I'll bet multiple games at once. And if they all win, I win. If one of the three or four loses, then you lose, but you get better odds if you can hit them all. We love parlays. We haven't been so successful this year, though, if I'm being honest. No, we haven't. But that's the deal. Uh, new users, use the code Bobby Sports when you download the app, 21 and up in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. We're going to get to another interview with Penn State's legendary linebacker, LeVar Arrington. He was the second overall pick in 2000, a three-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro linebacker in the NFL, where he played with uh, with Washington, with the old Redskins. Yeah, the Redskins. The Redskins and the Giants. He has a show on Fox Sports Radio called Two Pros and a Cup of Joe, which you can listen to weekday mornings or check out the podcast. Here is LeVar Arrington. We're here with LeVar Arrington. Uh, So being a former linebacker, were there ever such obvious tells by watching tape that you knew even before the play started because they didn't self-scout themselves. And you're like, oh, for sure, I know this play. I've seen it 70. Was it ever that easy where you could just go, well, he's lined up here and he's this direction, go get it? Have you ever watched my college highlights? Uh, at Penn State, I've, se- I've seen like a YouTube greatest hits, but I- that doesn't count because it's like you were you were a man amongst boys, it looked like there, more so yeah, than you predict and play. That's, 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 that's film study. That's film study. When you're when you're leaping over lines and 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 hurdling, you know, guys that are trying to block you, that's because you've studied them so much 
and you found that tendency and you've locked in on a tendency. If a guy drops his head, his shoulders following, that means he's trying to chop block you. So you can leapfrog him. You know, you make yourself look really good on stuff that you do and look look real cool on the film and the footage that goes to like all of the sports outlets. You know what I mean, Bobby? <laughs> so yet you ab- absolutely can study uh, not only what the team's personality is as to what they do in downs and distances, but you can also study the players themselves um, specifically in terms of what it is that they're going to do. So absolutely, that's and that's both sides. You got to self-scout defensively. Um, by position, you got to do it offensively as well. You were drafted second overall in year 2000. How long until? Ain't that special, man? Yeah, it's special. It's very it's special. Cool. It's very cool. cool. How long till you? That's get why started? I got. That's that's why I got that nice little, uh, you know, stairwell casing right there. You see that? Yeah, I felt that. You know, you got a lot of Pretty money nice. when you got a casing on a stairwell, not just a rail. You know, you right. got like you a like design. That? You like that? How long till you get a paycheck? What you mean? When you get drafted. Like you, here he is, number two overall pick at the time. You got to sign. Well, see, that's the thing. You got to be signed. So you're drafted, and they said that they they're taking you, but you still got to get a contract done. When you go number one, you go number two. You can get started on that process immediately. That could actually happen before they even call your name. Sometimes it, it drags out, and they call guys holdouts. But you really, in theory and by definition, you can't really be a holdout because you haven't been officially hired. Right. You got to sign the paperwork. You guys got to agree to the deal. And now you become an employee of the team. So sometimes it gets done quick. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, now with the slotting of of contracts coming into the league, um, it's pretty easy. Like you're you're not you're not going to have guys holding out. Um, There's there's like a few things that you have to talk through um, in terms of guarantees and options and stuff like that. But pretty much. The contract is pretty much the contract for rookies coming into the draft, which it was a little different in 2000 when I came in. We we actually negotiated a deal, and you could actually get a really, really favorable and big deal before having ever played uh, a, a down of football in the league. So it, it depends. You could get it as, as early as the night before the draft, before they call your name. If you're the number one guy, you could have your deal done before you they even call your name. Or it could go well into camp before you get a deal done. But how long until you felt like you were rich? I was never poor, though. Yeah, but rich and poor and not poor are two different things. You don't you don't get a casing like that I'll on your say, stairwell. I'll say wealthy. I'll say wealthy. Okay, go ahead. When, when did I feel wealthy? Probably. I don't know. I don't think I've ever felt wealthy. Mm. I don't think I've ever felt. First time that check. Day, I don't know that. Uh, I feel first time wealthy, that check bro. hits, though, I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling I felt I felt good. You know, I'll tell you, I I probably only looked at three or four checks in my entire career, man. Like I just I I, I, I made sure my money was was in in the the proper places. But I just never was. it, It never was big to me to obsess over it. You know, I felt like you did it for so long to get to where you can make that that type of you know, that type of wage doing what it is that you love to do. So once I made it, I kind of felt like if I got too deep into that aspect of it, I might lose the essence of who I was. So I still stayed hungry. Like I had never even accomplished or achieved anything, you know, to begin with. I mean, I did walk into a Ferrari dealership with with a pair of like raggedy shorts on and in a torn up um, practice uh, T-shirt and some flip flops and, and mess around with a salesperson. 
and they wanted to kick me out and have me removed from the premises. And and I did end up buying a 360 Medina right there on the spot um, from from the the actual uh, another salesperson who came out and was actually very cordial and kind to me. Um, I did I did flex a few times. I definitely flexed, um, but I just wasn't obsessed by it. So I don't know that I ever felt like I was like, oh, you made it and oh, you're rich and stuff like that. I've just always kind of been on to the next. It's like just trying to keep accomplishing. Uh, And that might be a corny answer, but Bobby, I'm just telling you, I'm still like that to this day. That's why I'm on this phone call interview with you, right? Because I'm with iHeart. I'm with Fox Sports Radio. I just continue to just kind of keep building what it is that I do. Just stay hungry, humble and hungry. I was listening to Cowherd's podcast and I heard um, Up On Game come on, the promo you guys do for Up On Game. <laughs> and it was it's you and Hujmanzada and Plaxico. And I was right. like, yeah, I was like, dang, that is like a legit group of guys here talking about legit. football. Yeah, so how, appreciate how did you three come together to do this show? Well, I was an evil scientist. You know, you, receivers are the most touched, um, special individuals that you'll ever meet that that play football. So they're very they're very uh, interesting, we'll say, in how they view the world around them. Um, and TJ and Plexico, even in particular – more specifically, are very touched and very special. Uh, TJ has such a strong, pronounced, underdog, boulder-on-his-shoulder um, type of approach. And Plexico's just real smooth and and just very, very laid-back, unassuming, but yet very opinionated type of dude. Um, and I just like being the one that kind of facilitates the discussions um, as a linebacker, I like to like create and instigate like we did in the locker rooms and sit back and see what color the wall is going to be. Once you throw something out there and you get it started, you get it popping, then you start to realize that, you know, you hear a lot of, of cool things being tossed around in terms of what it would sound like if you were sitting in the locker room listening to a conversation take place. You guys can check out LaVar's podcast network. It's also called Up On Game. They have close to 15 shows. You can subscribe. Just go search for Up On Game on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Final question, LeVar. Who was the quarterback that you hated being lined up across from? Because he was also reading you as much as you were reading him, if not more. Quarterback that I didn't like the most, that I hated the most. And not Mm. personally, but you knew you also couldn't fall into your tendencies because if he sees you do this, he's going to know exactly where you're going. Peyton Manning. Dopest quarterback ever to me. What separated Peyton him? Man. His IQ. Simple. He just he was he was like a cyborg, half man, half machine, man, half <laughs> half computer, half like artificial intelligence, like just a cyborg type dude, you know. And you could tell he was analyzed. Dear, do that. Adjust. Red alert. Like like real real computer like man like. Pape Manning was the dude. Listen, you guys go subscribe to Up On Game and you can see all the shows. Check out the show Up On Game. And then also, you know, two pros and a cup of joe. It sounds like you're always yeah. you're always giving your opinion on something. Like you are in the opinion game now. You're on every yeah. show. You got like 17 shows you're doing here. So congratulations. Hey, Bobby Bones, appreciate it, man. I appreciate the plug. I appreciate you having me on, man. LeVar, Le- good to talk to you, buddy. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Pleasure. Sounds good, man. Right. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. 
It's time for the parade in Pasadena. Tradition meets college football action in one epic bowl game. It's a big one. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make every play count. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting $5 on college football. That is amazing. Download the app now. Use the code BOBBYSPORTS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for just betting 5 bucks on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Put in the code BOBBYSPORTS. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Hey, thanks for listening to the second special rounds of interviews during the holiday season. What a great year of 25 Whistles. Thanks to you guys for listening. Follow us at 25 Whistles or me at Mr. Bobby Bones. Thanks again for listening and hope you have a great New Year weekend and we'll see you in 2024. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.